Good morning, Somas Community Church. How are you? Happy Sunday. Um, if you're new here, welcome. Uh, we have yellow connection cards uh, in the pew right in front of you. If you uh, want to fill something out, if you have a prayer request, if you want to uh, make a decision, uh, go ahead and fill that out. And then in the back of the uh, room, um, we have an offering plate. Uh, we're leaving it there just because of everything that's going on in the world. But I wanted to share a little story with you guys. Uh, this morning, my wife and I were uh, watching worship service over on the East Coast, and uh, my youngest, Naomi, about two years old, she got up on my lap and she started playing with my thumb, and she said, Daddy, I paint your nail? And I said, no, Daddy has to hold a microphone in like an hour. And so uh, I just want you to know, if you happen to see me next week and I have painted nails, it's because my girls ambushed me uh, when I got home at some point this week. Um, but yeah, I told her, I said, not today, because she, I, I could see her like thinking the pinks and the yellows and the fuchsias, and I was like, that might just be a little distracting when I'm talking to people this morning. So anyway, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love. Oh, Father, we just, we want to start this, uh, this service with an attitude of gratitude. Lord, we want to give you all the praise and all the honor that you deserve Father, for the musicians that are up here, for the people that will be uh, leading us in worship, I just pray that you would anoint them, Father. I thank you for their service and their heart to serve you and to give you all the honor and all the glory. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that are sitting in these chairs and these pews that you would uh, just start to open our heart to what you want to accomplish today. Lord, we want you to reign supreme in our life. So we thank you for your love. We thank you for Pastor Gary. Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. It's all for you and to you. It's through you, Jesus, because you, you gave up the ultimate sacrifice. So we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Aaron. Please stand with us as we worship the Lord together.
that uh, everyone in this room right now uh, can say that, that you are Messiah, that you are Lord of Lords, King of Kings. We thank you for your love for us that uh, while we were still sinners, 
you died for us. You, you forgave us of our sins and cleansed us from all of our unrighteousness. We, and nothing can separate us from you, Lord. We, that song is so powerful and what it says that even the previous one, nothing can separate us from your love. Uh, not even our own failures because you love us so much. So God, we, we pray now that you will work your work through our hearts, uh, through your Holy Spirit. As our pastor uh, teaches us from the word of God, we pray that uh, as your word says, it, your word doesn't return void. So it's going to accomplish what uh, you, you want as long as our hearts are open to hearing it. So God, open our hearts, bless our pastor as he speaks to us and uh, give us the blessings that we need. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We could turn those uh, middle lights on. That'd be good. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, turn it into the book of Acts, chapter one, please. Acts chapter one. I have a little bumper song. Can you play that? Thank you, Joe, for producing that for us. <laughs> hey, did you, I want to thank you for the praise team, um, worship team. We had uh, Jeff, we had Joe, we had Johnstons, and we have Jane, and we have Jim. <laughs> we'll make it all J's. So this week, today, uh, we are launching a four-week series called Can I Get a Witness? Kind of a continuation of what we've been speaking about from last Sunday about our mission, and I'm excited about this. I believe that uh, God can transform each of us into be great ambassadors uh, for the Lord. That uh, so much that you know, we just we won't stop talking about who He is and what He means to us. And I believe when that happens, that we will find that people will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so when you think about um, being a witness and leading somebody to the Lord, it's one of the greatest events that will happen to you in your life as a Christian. When God uses you to lead someone to Jesus Christ, I think kind of like your soul will leap for joy like when Elizabeth met her cousin Mary the Virgin Mary, who was carrying baby Jesus in her room, it says John the Baptist was doing somersaults in Elizabeth meeting. Listen, if you want to make a difference in the life of another, if you want your life to be meaningful, let God use your witness to impact others. You know, and the cool part about that is you will have people in heaven because, because God used you. We are spiritually created with a mission from God. 
And every time I say that phrase, I read it, I always think of the blues music, you know, the blues movie, the Blues Brothers, mission from God. Well, truly, we do have a mission from God. God wants us to be a witness. So what does it take to be a witness? I believe it's easier than you may believe or think. I heard a story about a man, a young man, who was mentally challenged, and he attended a Sunday morning service. And the preacher was preaching about heaven was sweet and hell was hot sermon. You grew up in church, you might recognize that. <clears throat> during the invitation, at the end of the sermon, this young man was sitting over here, and during the invitation, as the pastor was, you know, making an altar call, and, and the young man went from over there to over here, and uh, the preacher was watching this guy do this. And uh, he said, what is he up to? And then he went over to this man who was, happened to be a guest that morning. He was the most influential person in that community. And he started to talk to that man. This young man did. And the preacher was saying, oh, no, what is he saying? And he's just thinking, oh, I'm going to have to uh, get with that man and make sure that, you know, I smooth things out. I just wonder what he's saying. And he could see the, the man bristle up, and, and he was getting mad. And he could just tell that whatever that young man said, he would, it would anger him. And the young man then walked over and went back to his seat. Well, the invitation went on a few minutes later. That man walks down the aisle, and he, he gives his life to Jesus. And the preachers couldn't wait to talk to that man after the services. And he said, listen, I said, I, 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 man, that's great. You got saved today. And, and I praise God for that. But I'm so curious. What did that young man say to you? Well, he said to me, <clears throat> he's asked me if I'd like to be saved and go to heaven. And I said, no, thank you. Well, the young man said, then, go to hell, and walked over and sat down. <laughs> well, I got angry at that. Then I got to thinking about that and what you said. And uh, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. And he came forward and gave his heart to Jesus. You see, my friend... Leading people to Jesus Christ is really not complicated. Now, I'm not advocating that we lead people to Christ by the, uh, you know, turn or burn witness. But I'm saying this about witnessing, about fulfilling our mission and bringing people to Jesus Christ is for everyone. Each one of us can be used by God to at least bring someone to Jesus Christ. And maybe it would be this year in 2021. There's ever been a time in the history of this world that is ripe for the gospel. It is today. God has enabled us to be a witness. When God asks us to do something, he always, he always gives us the ability to accomplish what he asks. So my friend, if you're wrestling with something that God is asking you to do, he will always give you that ability to do what he asks you to do. He's a good, good father like that. You wouldn't ask your three-year-old to run to the 
or, or to take the car to the store to get some milk because you want uh, milk in your cereal, you wouldn't ask that because that three-year-old doesn't have the ability. Now, you might ask your 18-year-old son to do that and uh, you, because he has the ability. God doesn't ask us to do anything that we don't have the ability to do. So in Acts chapter 1, I want to read uh, first um, 11 verses of this great book of Acts. So if you like to read along or listen to me as I read from Acts chapter 1 and verse uh, 1. In the first book of Theophilus, and this is Luke writing, he is a physician, and he writes this book of Acts and he says this, he says in verse 1, again, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And to the day until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So he is researching, gathering information, and the Holy Spirit uses him to write the book of Acts as like a witness to the events. Verse 3, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And this is a reference to Jesus Christ after the death, burial, and resurrection. Verse 4, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now this part from verse 6 to 11, we call it the ascension. Jesus is going to ascend from earth to heaven, and that's where he is today, and one day he will return, as we just sang a while ago. Verse 6, and when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. In verse 8, and this is the text that we want to use this morning. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria unto the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from it, you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. It's called the ascension. When Jesus departs, there's a observing this, and he ascends up into heaven. It's an interesting fact in history with this. 60 or seven years, uh, 70 years before the ascension of Jesus Christ, before the birth of Jesus Christ, Julius Caesar, who was the first Roman emperor, uh, who later on in his, as king there of the emperor, he was assassinated in a very bloody assassination. Right after his death, there was one of the brightest comet known to man. It was a magnitude of four, which means that in the, in the sunlight, like it is out there, you could see the comet going across the sky, and, and it happened to be seven days for the comet to go from one horizon to the other horizon. And it was, in, it was interpreted at that time that this comet was the soul of Julius Caesar ascending into heaven to live as a god among the gods. 
It also claimed Julius Caesar had claimed all his life that he had descended from Venus at his birth, telling everyone that the gods had sent him to be the Roman emperor. Now upon his death, Julius didn't have a son. So earlier in his life, he adopted a nephew as his son and who became, uh, who's to become the successor to the throne of Rome. His name was Octavian. He was 19 at the time of Caesar's death. And there was another contender for the throne there at Rome, and his name was Mark Antony. Mark Antony was like the bronze, and Octavian was like the brains type of uh, thinking and philosophy and the, 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 the uh, maneuvering to reach the, fr- the throne. Octavian decided in a very uh, calculated way to promote that Caesar had ascended into heaven and he was claiming to be one of the, God, the gods. So, so he went along with this and used this in his favor. He used this to his advantage to become the next emperor of Rome and also to claim that he, because of that, he would be the son of God. And so the Roman senators also got wind of this, and they decided to use this to their advantage as well. And there were 12 senators. They used this story to promote their influence as well in the government. And they claimed that they, that they were a witness of the ascension of Julius into heaven. So they tacked on to that story, their story. And they said that one day when Jesus sees her, we saw him because we were standing on a mountain, the 12 senators, and we saw Julius Caesar take off. And those seven days of reviewing the comet was their testimony. And it is said to their credit that they said that they were ambassadors to take Rome to the end of the world. Interesting, isn't it? So why I'm telling you the story. Did Jesus copy the false narrative of the first Roman emperor? Is this book just a collection of stories that put together? No. I think that Jesus used this story. Maybe for many reasons, but there's a two reasons that I believe that, came, that comes to my mind. Is that Jesus used stories to help people with the truth about who he was. When you look at the Jewish culture, the way they're always using pictures. Jesus was always using an illustration, a parable, a story to to bring something, um, uh, to present a truth. And so I believe that the ascension was to be a witness that Jesus was truly the son of God with the miracles and the things that he did. And his ascension was the acceptance by Jehovah, the one true God. God uses these things and events to help us understand a truth about himself. And my friend, that story that Jesus used was meant to to present a witness to himself. And God wants to use each of us, your story, your experience, to to bring about a truth, to, to testify of who he is. I believe the second thing, that it shows this because Jesus was called a rabbi. And a rabbi is a teacher. And a teacher, a good rabbi, wouldn't leave his students unless they understood what he was teaching. And so this is like 
the period on his teaching to these disciples. This was, was saying that uh, uh, my teaching is done. You've got it, what I've taught you. And so he leaves their absence because they understand. And then we, we certainly know that this is true because when we go into the book of Acts chapter 2, and Peter's standing there and, and preaches and, and uh, you know, 5,000, 3,000, 5,000 as multitudes get saved. And then we follow with the, the history of the gospel through the book of Acts as it spreads to the ends of the world, literally. And so we look at Acts chapter 1, 8. And we talk about us being a witness. And Jesus said to them, and it is written to us as well, that you shall receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, unto the end of the earth. So there's four points this morning. When we say four points, you always know how long the, the sermon's going to be, all right? We're down to number three, just one more point to go, and, and you can time your lunch that way. The first point, Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You remember they were to wait, and they did wait? And you remember the great entrance of the Holy Spirit upon them? It was a supernatural event. And when we think about the Holy Spirit coming upon us, we, re we receive the Holy Spirit to witness. We receive the Holy Spirit, and it is there for us to be a witness. And you think about your own time, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that, you know, when you had the forgiveness of your sins... God, God justified you. He cleansed all your sins, you know, forgave all your sins and, and, and actually allowed the room for you to be saved, uh, for the Holy Spirit to indwell you as a believer. We call that justification, just as if I'd never sinned. And, and so upon the time of our salvation, from going forward for this time in the book of Acts, and every believer, everyone who comes to know Jesus Christ is, becomes a believer, a child of God, the Holy Spirit comes and indwell with every believer. And then when that happens, there is a transformation that is happening in our life. The result is called sanctification. And through that process of sanctification, the Holy Spirit can be active, and we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can quench the Holy Spirit. We can be, uh, I don't know if the word be little, but, but uh, uh, push it down to, to squeeze its power, to withhold its power from our life by the way we live. But the sanctification process is, when our, is, is upon us. The Holy Spirit is active in us. And why is the Holy Spirit there? It is, again, to be a witness. God has given us the Holy Spirit to be a witness, according to Acts 1.8. So what are the signs of the, some of the signs of the presence of the Holy Spirit in us? A desire to hear God's word is evident. A desire for repentance, turning from sin. When a person is saved, there is this conviction of sin, and they say, I don't want this. I want Jesus. I want the forgiveness of our sins. I remember 
guy named Joe Baker who, was, who, who got saved on my birthday, April 12th. And, uh, and so, <laughs> just giving you a heads up there. But it, was, it happened to be on a Sunday morning. And Joe came up to me and said, I want to be saved. And I want to be saved on your birthday. I'd been witnessing to him. So he'd become my friend. And, and he came up to me and we went in the back room and, and he accepted Jesus. And he said, you know, the, the thing that, that when I gave my heart to Jesus, it was like I knew every sin that I'd come in. And, 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 and God was coming in and he took it all away. The desire for repentance, turning from sin, happens when the Holy Spirit is in us. And not a desire to love others, increasing your knowledge and understanding of God. And of course, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you know, the fruit of joy, peace, you know, kindness, gentleness, the fact that there's a change, there's a transformation that happens because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. One of the things, as the Bible says in, in the the fourth chapter of this book of Acts in verse 31, it says, it says, and when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. It's a change of the relationship with the word of God. The word of God has to be spoken and it can be spoken boldly by the power of the Holy Spirit. There are some other signs of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. As mentioned, we, we get on later in this uh, the book of Acts, profound repentance happens. Acts chapter 11, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as Jesse did up, uh, upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with the water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit immersed with the Holy Spirit. If God therefore gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God saying, well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. Repentance is in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes in a person, there's repentance. Then as a sanctification process, you know, there's, there's the confessing, there's, there's uh, turning away from sin in our life and to become more like Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is given to us to be a witness. I don't realize the depth of that or the value of that. The indwelling presence of God, the Holy Spirit himself, dwells in us as believers. That's something to meditate on, my friend. And why? Because he wants us to be a witness. You ever thought about this? Why doesn't God, after he saves us, immediately just takes us to heaven? We're left here. We have a mission. We have a job to do. That he leaves us behind. And he says, now go. Be a witness. 
Jesus came. He was a witness. His job was done. God the Father brought him on home. And when our job is done, when our missions is done, when he is through with us here upon the earth, we'll be called. But until then, the reason that we are here, the reason that you're going through the pain, you know, just getting up out of our chair sometimes is a journey. <laughs> getting up in the morning, going through the things and the trials and the sadness. It's not that God wants us to be in it. He would love for us, but we have a purpose. And that mission is here to be a witness Bring more glory to God by adding to the kingdom of God um, through the salvation of souls. See, my friend, God has set us up to be the greatest witness the world has ever known. We have the indwelling presence of God ourselves. Nobody can say, I, I can't be a witness. I can't be a witness of God. Well, you can because... You can be a witness for God because God dwells within us and he himself said, I will be my own witness. You just, just get out of the way, die to yourself and I will testify of myself if we'll let him. Number two, we receive, according to this verse here, unlimited power to witness. When we will receive this power, you shall receive the power when the Holy Spirit. So we have the Holy Spirit. And because we have the Holy Spirit, we also receive unlimited power. This is God power. The Greek word for this word is dunamis, which means uh, uh, we get the word dynamite. I mean, we can be explosive in a good way. <laughs> in a good way. We can explode, not like that house that happened in L.A., my goodness, you know, terrible tragedy. But each of us have the, the dunamis, the explosive power to go into a relationship, to go into our community, to go into the job, the school, our family, and be the dunamis, the power of God to be a witness that has power. It's not a weak-minded, it's a powerful Witness. Listen, you're not powerful in yourself. When it comes to being a witness, we need to stop looking at who we are. This isn't about you. This isn't about what I can do, what you can do, what knowledge, what things, what abilities. It's, it's not about you. It's about what God can do. It's about who God is. Acts chapter 5 and verse 32, and we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And obedience is the key for the Holy Spirit to be active in our life. We can let God work in us and through us as we yield ourselves to him. So what is the purpose of this power? To be a witness for Jesus Christ. Because we have received the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, we have the greatest power to be a witness for Jesus Christ. That same power is on the same level of raising Jesus Christ from the grave 
to life to be displayed upon all those people, 500 and plus people that saw Jesus after the resurrection, according to Paul in the book of Corinthians. That same power that ascended him up into heaven. That same power that dwells in the Holy Spirit that has done that and much more dwells within us. We have unlimited power. We don't have to cower back. We don't have to be weak in our witness. We can be strong and we can be boldness through the power of the Holy Spirit. Number three, we receive content to witness. See, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do this. I've never done this. I don't even know. I can't even find the book of Acts. I can't even, you know, I've never read the Bible through and I've never, whatever. We can make this witnessing thing complicated. Then we can use it as a false truth to hide behind why we can't be a witness. Let me put it this way. Imagine a courtroom. And in this courtroom, there are different roles that, that play in a court scene. All right? So, so there's a there's a court scene, and there's somebody, you know, that's up there, and, and uh, that, that's going to be tried, and, and there is, and so there's the victim, and there's, and there's, there's different roles. There's, there's the judge, and there's the jury, and uh, then there's the lawyer or the attorney. There's a witness or witnesses that give evidence for the judge and the jury to make judgment on the case. Now, get this. It is the attorney's job to use the evidence, the testimony of the witness to convince the judge and the jury upon a verdict in their favor. Again, the job of the witness is simply to testify what they saw, what they heard, what they experienced. They simply just share what they know to be true. I would make, I, I make a terrible uh, witness. I got held up at gunpoint one time when I was in Bible college. I worked for a gas station, a self-serve gas station, and I was sitting there and uh, minding my own business. It was at one night at one time, and all of a sudden the door opens, and this guy has this, this old gun, and he bangs on the door. He points the gun at me and says, give me all your money. Guess what I did? <laughs> I gave all the money. I think it was like 30 bucks. They eventually caught the guy as he was leaving Springfield, and, and he had robbed a liquor store on the way out as well. And so the police come to me and says, after the robbery, you know, a couple days later, and says, hey, you know, we want to let you look at these photos and see if you can pick out, you know, who, which one. And one of these guys is the guy that we caught, and we've already, the, the liquor store have already identified this guy, and we caught him on the way out with the money and, and the gun and all that. And so, so can you do it? So they put the photos out in front of me, and guess what? I couldn't identify. I don't know. I was so scared. This guy come in. He scared me. He had a gun. I wasn't expecting that. So I make a terrible witness uh, of crime. So if you want to hold me up, you'll probably get away from it. I mean, get away with it. The Holy Spirit is like the attorneys that take the evidence, the story of the witness to convince the jury, the judge. 
Listen, we think our role in bringing people to Jesus is being the attorney. That's not our job, my friend. Paul put it this way. It puts us like as a farmer just planting seed. All you got to do is just take the seed, you throw it on the ground, and somebody else is going to come over and water it. You just have to be faithful, either watering or planting the seed. And God gives the increase. All you have to do is testify and leave the rest to God. It's all we're called to do is just to witness. First person I witnessed to after I became a believer was my sister, Joy. I know I told this. So I was about four or five years old. She must have been about three or something like that. And so we were riding a little tricycle out on the driveway there in Junction City, Kansas. And I said, Joy, said, you better get saved. You know the reason you got to get saved, Joy? Don't you want to go to heaven, Joy? Because if you don't go, if you don't ask you, you're going to hell, Joy. Joy, do you want to burn in the lake of fire, Joy? <laughs> she immediately got off her bike and goes crying into the house and saying, Mom, Mom, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> and my mom calmed her down and but later on, you know, uh, she, she um, uh, you know, gave her heart to Jesus Christ. She's a wonderful Christian. I remember the second person I won to Jesus Christ. I was probably about 12 years old. And uh, I remember as a cul-de-sac right across the, the road there, living in Topeka, Kansas. I remember talking to this man. I was a burden for him, this young man, and I started praying for him, and, and he was my friend. And, and so I remember I was playing on one day in the cul-de-sac, and I just started talking to him about Jesus. And I, I remember quoting John 3, 16. I remember his name, but I remember he had red hair, and I said, I said listen, listen, you could do this. I mean, right now, tonight, before you go to sleep, you know, think about this, and, and, and you... Uh, you can pray and ask Jesus in your heart if you believe this. So it was either the next day or the day after. He came back to me and said, Gary, I said, I did what you told me, what you asked me to. I asked Jesus in my heart. I have to believe that, you know, that he was, that that, that was true, that he was sincere about that and, and uh, that he gave his heart to Jesus. It's not really complicated. Just have to be faithful to use what we have. Isn't that a biblical principle? Let's use what we have, what God has given us, and give it to God and see where God takes us. Let's don't worry about what we don't have and say, God, if I only had this, then I would give it to you. No, God, what do I have? I have a story. I have my experiences. I can share. God, I can do that. I can share, and I give that to God. In John chapter 4, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritan came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of the word. And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Who was this woman? She was the woman at well, who, was, who had been married several times and was living with a guy uh, and was not married, and yet she 
listened to Jesus and drank of that eternal water that she would thirst no more in her soul. She got so excited about it. The Bible says she actually left her pots, her dishes. You ladies, you don't ever leave your dishes somewhere. That's something. She left it. She got so excited. She left them there at the well, and she runs in and tells us, hey, listen, there's a man who told me everything about me. You got to listen to him. You got to. Now, let me st- stop and say, what Bible college did she go to? Did she know a, a thing, a lot about the Bible? That time, she didn't have the New Testament. Did, did, what was her, her, her Was she raised in a Christian home? Doubt it. What Bible class did she go to to learn how to be a witness? She didn't. All she did was she just knew that she was lost and now she's saved and there's a Savior and all. You just got to come hear Him. And a whole community hears about the gospel and many believe. You think about the maniac of Gadara. Oh, that was a crazy man, you know, in the tomb, in the graveyard, and there he was, he was tormented, and he comes, and he meets Jesus, and he wants to follow Jesus, and because he becomes a believer, and he's in his right mind, and he's clothed, and all that, and he wants to follow, and Jesus says, no, you go back to your home, go back to your family, to your friends, and tell them what has happened today, and he does, and they believe. You remember Andrew, just brand new follower of Jesus Christ. And I don't know what time that Andrew got saved, but, but he went and, and he goes to tell his brother. And he says, Peter, you got to come. Peter's under the tree and he's there and he comes to Peter and said, Peter, you got to come. Listen, the Messiah has come. I want you to hear about Jesus. And Peter comes and listens about Jesus and he becomes a fisher of men. The content of our witness is so simple, my friend. You just share your experience with God with others. Listen, if you have the ability to gossip, you have the ability to be a great witness for Jesus Christ. Did you hear what happened? Oh, yeah. I heard. And they're getting a divorce. (laughs) Let's not make it complicated. The gospel is is meant to be very easy, not only to be given, but to receive. Just share what you know and let God do the rest. I want to give you a, a homework assignment for those that are serious of being a witness for Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you, if you've never done this before, I want you to challenge you to go home and write out your testimony, how you became a believer, and, and let it be written where you can read it in two minutes. And send it to me, and I'll post it in our newsletter. I'd love to hear about the story. If you will do that, one, uh, I've done this uh, more than once in my own life, and challenge others. It will do something. It will give you something in a, in, in that is like a tool or package that will be there, and it will bring confidence to you. you. You'll know what to say. And so when somebody comes along and, and, and you can uh, you know, feel like that you need to uh, or you want to witness to that, you've got it. 
And it's not about just salvation. We should just be talking and praising God all the time. God has done this. God has done that. God helped me find my keys. Man, I was praying and God spoke to me this morning. I was reading something from the Bible. That's all a witness of God working in our hearts. And who can't do that? God has blessed us and used us and worked in our heart. If we can be a continual, you know, wake up each morning and say, God, I want to be a witness today. God, I want to, I want to testify. I, I want to be used, God. And so just say, God, bring people in my life, and I'll be faithful. It doesn't have to be, you know, go through the Romans book of, of you know, salvation or, or you know, go through uh, the four spiritual law. It, just, just start praising God. Start witnessing to people of uh, the goodness that God has been to you. And you'll be amazed how God will use that. Let's look at the fourth thing. We receive a witness to the end of the world. This is an amazing thing. It's interesting of this Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 that the book of Acts is a completion, is an actual completion of what happens in Acts 1 8. Remember, it says that they will be witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, unto the uttermost parts of the world, to the ends of the world. So if you were to look at Acts chapter 1, verse 7, there is a great witness that happens in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 8, verse 12, there's a great witness in Judea and Samaria. In Acts chapter 13 to 28, there's a great witness that crosses the sea and goes on to the Gentile nations. And, of course, Paul was a great part of that. And as you think back about Andrew and Peter... Peter who came and there he was there and, and he speaks on the day of Pentecost and these men from different countries, different regions, they come and they hear and Peter preaches to them and literally they go back into their communities and to their families and to testify because of what Andrew had did and Peter had did standing up and God using him and he just simply gave an account of what happened we won't take time there, but you can read it in Acts chapter 2. And he references the history of the nation of Israel and the history of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. Listen, our mission is to be a witness here in our community, our county, our state, around the world. Your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, maybe a Samaria that's person that's cross-culture, different kind of culture. Your witness is to go to the ends of the world. You say, how can that happen? Well, who knows who you're going to lead to Jesus Christ? What happens with that family, with that people? You know, we have a, a missions program. We call it the Global Partners, where we partner with people in different parts of the world. And we support them, and we give a prayer and support. And because of that, we have a part of taking the gospel to Greece, of the, of, to, to, to Slavica, Slavica, if you say that right, near Russia, <laughs> to the Philippines. We have, and when we give and we've got part of that, I encourage you to have a part of taking the gospel to the outermost parts of the world. I'm going to close with one, one more story. My wife and I would, uh, many times with our family, 
earlier when our kids were at home, we'd, we'd go to a, a Mexican restaurant. I, I love Mexican food. And uh, there was this place called Extapa in Snohomish. And so we'd go there as regulars. So we started, you know, how you do, you go to the same restaurant, you start friends with the waiter, waitresses. And so we got to meet this guy named Carlos. And Carlos and his had some other family members that worked there, and he became a friend. And uh, just, you know, long story short, we just became friends. And he told me about his dad who was having some health issues. His, his dad's name was Mario. Mario um, lived in old Mexico. So Carlos, being a good son, he was going paid for his dad to fly up to have a, a, a procedure for his health and to help them uh, during this time. We offered to help him, but he said, no, I got it taken care of. And so through that process, though, we got to meet Mario. Mario was about my age, and so Mario and I started meeting every week. And in a broken English, we were able to communicate, and he was trying to teach me, you know, Spanish, and I was teaching him English. We'd meet for coffee almost every week, and of course, through that relationship, I got to lead Mario to Jesus Christ. Brought him from old Mexico to the state of Washington to hear about the gospel, and I was willing to be a witness. Just sharing what I knew about God, and he accepted that. Got to baptize him, and later on he moved back, had to go back to old Mexico, and he's there outside of the city of old Mexico. You know, one of the things that endears me, I, I know he's going to go to heaven. But after he became a believer, he calls me his unforgettable friend because of what Jesus had done in his heart. And through that friendship, that relationship, he now is going to be in heaven because of what Jesus has done. I'm not saying this story to build me up, but I'm just saying this story is so simple, my friend. If you've never won anybody to Jesus Christ, why don't you start praying, God, help me to lead someone to Jesus Christ. In the next few weeks, next week, I'm going to talk about the context of our witness. So important we have the context of our witness we'll be talking about this morning. And then we'll cover in Easter, encourage you to fight your friends to Easter. We'll talk about the witnesses. God purposely put witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then we'll take one more Sunday after that. Would you bow your heads in prayer? If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, my friend, God loves you. He died for you. And right now, open your heart to him and say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died for my sins. to take the guilt and the condemnation 
away from me. And I ask you into my heart, into my life, to be my Lord and Savior. Maybe there's a believer here that you've been saved, but you've never had the privilege of being part of a, the spiritual birth of another person. Let's just start praying about this. Say, God, use me. And just write down that two-minute testimony. Start each every day. Say, God, I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to just tell what God is doing in my life. Just sharing your experience, God. See where God takes that. We're just called to witness, to share, to testify. Let God bring forth the fruit. Father, I thank you for each and every one that's here today. And help us, Lord, to just believe what Acts 1-8 is telling us. That through the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be witnesses. We yield ourselves to you. We yield this church to you, not just for this community, but for Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. God, we, we want to be used of you to bring people to you. And by that, it will bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm forgiven because you've forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned, I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me, because you died in Amazing love, how can it be, that you my king would die for me? It's my joy to honor you and all I do. I honor you. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. Love.
you do. Honor him. Amen.